Hi, this is Sophie, Simon and Ben from That Final Scene. Yeah, we just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Amazon Music where you can find this very podcast. So, let's dive in, shall we? Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. It's over. Go home. That final scene starts now. Hello and welcome once again to another episode of That Final Scene. My name is Sophie and I'm here joined by my two co-hosts, Ben and Simon. How are you both doing? Good, yeah, not too bad. January's been a long month, but not too bad. Depressing. (laughs) Sorry, how are you? All right, I've just had to watch Beethoven 1, Beethoven 2, (laughs) Matilda three times all day. Oh, the joys of being a dad. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus, really a... I mean, if oh. I, I like the film Matilda, so I'd be happy I to watch it. I actually really like times. it, yeah. Danny DeVito's genius. I don't know about Beethoven 1 and 2, though. Isn't that just the movie about the big dog? Yeah, there's a lot of slobbering mm. and mm. lots of, like, mess, which little kids find hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but Matilda, I think, is a masterpiece. I think it's really, really so well done. beautifully like, yeah. structured. The rhythm of it, the humour's amazing. And it doesn't patronise kids. I think it's really clever. I have to say, this is probably a bit mean on the new one, but I'd much prefer the Danny DeVito version than the Tim Minchin Netflix mm-hmm. one that we watched recently. I think you're in the majority. I've seen the stage show and I thought the stage show was fantastic. I thought I thought the stage show was a really good interpretation of the film whereas it's whereas the new Netflix one is a movie about a stage show interpretation of a film which is also an interpretation of a book. So it's kind of like it's gone through like four different like Little filters. Meta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I just found the the new one just just too evil. There wasn't enough humor to match the sort of the meanness of Miss Trunchable and all of the sort of the sort of demonic things that she was doing. Whereas in the Danny DeVito one, it just feels more innocent somehow and more like magical and more playful. Yeah, there's something in the stage show that it's Miss Trunchable is very evil, but there's something a bit pantomime about it as well, like kind of lampoonable having said that there are some scary moments in it I feel like if I was a child I probably would have been a little bit terrified but But I found an amazing piece of (laughs) trivia today about Mara Wilson the little Mm. girl that plays Matilda in the Dan DeVito one and it's that her mum was dying of I think breast cancer during the filming of that film which must be pretty mad for a little girl to be like dealing with let alone shooting like a Hollywood feature film yeah and um and Danny DeVito got an early edit of the film and showed it to her mum in hospital so oh she could God. see the, the uh, you know as, as much of the film as possible before yeah. she died. And then she died pretty soon afterwards. So that girl was dealing with all of that whilst yeah. filming a kind of magic comedy kids film. Shocking. God, which is pretty mad. Another reason to love Danny DeVito as well. Yeah. Just seems like him. such a nice guy. Yeah. What has he been up to lately? Well, he's in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's oh, kind still, of that's his thing message. now, right? Isn't it? Which <laughs> I like, haven't watched. Yeah, I think it's right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched all of it. So I I don't know what vibe I give (laughs) off because people have said to me before, I think you'd really enjoy it. And I watched like the first episode and maybe one or two episodes of it. And all it is is people saying fuck and cock and wank and like swearing really aggressively in this bar. And it's just like, now maybe it gets a lot better. But like just kind of like smutty swearing humor, which is we're going to talk about comedies on this episode, yes. so maybe a good segue into it. But yeah, I was when people kept saying that to me, and then I watched the first episode. I was like, do people just think I just like to swear? <laughs> like swearing's just my thing. Yeah, no, I hate to say that, but it is one of those shows that you have to warm up to it, even though I don't okay. want to say that because I'm like, oh, you need to watch like five episodes, but you actually kind of do. Well, everybody, like everybody, seems to love it, like. 
it's I've had that I think with Bojack Horseman I can't get over the first few I'm just like I know I know it's supposed to be incredible but I just can't I get over the I hump think, but is Bojack the thing I've heard about Bojack Horseman though is that does Bojack Horseman not after season one kind of takes a bit of a tonal shift right after season so two that's, yes after season two yeah so I again I'm the same as you I watched the first season of it and I just didn't really get it it kind of felt like it was on that Rick and Morty trail of like kind of funny, like a little bit offensive, like adult kind of comedy cartoons that was like, you know, South Park is obviously in its own kind of mm-hmm. ecosystem, <laughs> way mm-hmm. off in the stratosphere like it is. And then Rick and Morty came along and then Bojack Horseman was there. Well, but it changed after. <laughs> what, like, Sophie, what would you have yeah. for lunch? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and it seems like we, it seems like, sounds like aliens to me. Yeah, like we're being abducted. Doors open a little bit. Oh, interesting. It's, fine. Yeah. it's just about we're going to get noped. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> the aliens going to go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pop its head around the door. But yeah, no, I heard that Bojack takes a completely different turn after like the second season, I which had, is why I couldn't yeah. get through season one either. I had the, the exactly same reaction to Bojack. So what I did is. I'm, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen some episodes from season two is that I actually gave up on it for a few months and then I started from season three. Like that was my entry point to is the show. Is it the kind almost? of show that you could watch? Like, could I watch yes, a YouTube easily. video telling me what happens in the first two e- seasons yeah, and then easily. watch season three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's there that it starts to find its ground and okay. yet they're a lot more vulnerable and actually be like smart comedy. Um, but going back to Philadelphia quite quickly, I think, Obviously, the swearing is like just the layer that they try to, you know, use in order to tell some really hard hitting truths. Like it's actually smart comedy. Like they talk about, you know, misogyny, but actually, you know, on on the surface, you might think they're actually misogynistic, but they are anti, you know, like it's Uh, it's very subversive. So I do recommend you you see it is meta. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will. I will. I'll give it another go and I'll give Bojack another go as well. So, uh, a quick question for you, Simon. Can you remind me the final scene of Matilda, or the original one? The final section is where Matilda has the adoption documents, and oh, uh, yeah. her mum and dad okay. are about to drive off to Guam. Yeah. <laughs> even like, where is Guam? It's in like Central America, Guam. They're basically it? fleeing because of all the naughty stuff that they've done. And she gets Miss Honey, her favorite teacher, who's really nice, to sign her over. To, Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the magic of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instant adoption. And Miss That's Honey it. becomes the principal of the school, doesn't yeah, she? she? Because does. yes. the And there's it, a sort of happy ending sequence where it kind of runs through lots of nice things that happen. Because she was Miss Trunchbull's niece, or isn't there something about her being the niece of Miss Trunchbull? Yeah, they're related. Like yeah. Yeah. And then um, I can't remember what the last shot is, but it's like Danny DeVito narrating a kind of and they all lived happily ever after mm. sequence. Um and I think one of the last shots is like Matilda and Miss Honey like sitting on the porch in the sunshine reading books and I actually do think that's the final shot it might be that I have a feeling that's it so So, joyful that's what you need and Danny DeVito's narration is 10 out of 10 nice (laughs) we love a good narration surprised because I think it's really interesting because obviously he plays the horrible father and you, on paper, you'd be like, well, that's not going to work. You can't be the, the the baddie and narrate it and have this warm aura with your narration. But it kind of works. Very Good. clever. Ben, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Um, I haven't have I watched that much really since we since we met up last. I, I watched the first episode of The Last of Us. So, Simon, you're obviously getting yes. into video games and stuff now. So The Last of Us has finally come out. Uh, they're finally releasing the TV show now. Thoughts? And... 
I mean, I'm loving it already. I mean, it's one episode in. They've released another episode today. Apparently, it's really close to the game. Yeah, so it's so it's weird. What so as someone who as someone who played the game and loved it, like the game is incredible. Like it's like it's the closest a game has ever come to me for like as like a good like uh, playing it is almost like watching a really engrossing film. Like it's hmm. fantastic. Like the story is more important than the gameplay almost. Watching it, it is weird. It is weird seeing it and being like, I remember, like I watched it with my girlfriend. Oh my, sorry, my fiance. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing bridesmaids. Um, is there a hungry bear anywhere? <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's it is weird, like watching it and saying, oh, I, I remember, like playing through. And she kept saying to me, like, oh, so you know what happens next? And I'm like, yeah, I I know exactly what happens, and I know what's going to happen in the second series because I've played the second game as well. But they are supposedly like doing slightly different things with it. So like mm-hmm. there are they've added some characters to it. So I know Nick Offerman's in it, and the guy who plays the concierge in the White Lotus first season, the Australian guy Murray something or other, is in oh, it, really? and they're additional characters, so they're not in the Love game. Him. So I'm interested to see what they do with it. But yeah, it's good. It's tense. Pedro Pascal's is great. Bella Ramsey's great, and yeah, I yeah, I think it's. So is it since you play the game? Is it like replaying the game, but being able to relax and just enjoy it without having to to do anything? Not necessarily or, relax because it's an incredibly tense program. <laughs> but do you know what's going to happen largely? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because no, exactly. So like, it it is weird watching it, like watching it and being like, well, I know. I know you're going to die and I know you're going to, and I know what happens to you and I know why you're like this and that. And so, mm. yeah, it is a little bit weird and it is kind of like, it's, it is relaxing, but it's nice because I can sit there and kind of be like, oh, I wonder what this interpretation of it's going to be like as something that it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, the way you always talk about, we, you know, people always talk about people who read comic books and then comic book movies and like the interpretation and like how true they'll be. For me, this is kind of like that. Like I, I love the game. I thought it was incredible. And so it's it's really nice to see what um, the interpretation is going to be like. And I think it's it's working well because they've got the writer of the game. It's not like they've just given it to a showrunner and said, go and make this really successful video game into a TV show. They've actually got Neil Druckmann who wrote both the games. And then it's the guy, I think it's Craig Mazin, who wrote and produced um, the Chernobyl show. Oh, so I remember you saying oh, yeah. amazing. That's and yeah, and just a really strong cast. So yeah, I mean, I'm loving it already. Because the Chernobyl thing, I found so dark and so yeah, yeah. so well done as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 and so uh, and like you can, you... I'd really watch it if it was something freaking now, now <laughs> no, fifty <laughs> pounds a day, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, well, you can borrow. You can borrow my account. I'll, I'll give you my password. Yeah, um, that's what I've been. Yeah, this is why I've yeah. been holding off to it, but I'm gonna watch it as well. So yeah, so so the Last of Us is the kind of the main thing that I've been watching at the minute. That's awesome. Uh, I wonder what they do with the deaths. Uh, because, like, if you compare it to something like Game of Thrones, for example, like, even though the show did mm. follow some deaths that happened in the book, they also diverted from some others. Yeah, well, could... that's why I'm interested now to see what they do with these, like, two additional characters that mm. they're putting into it and, you know, how much, yeah, <clears throat> if they will kind of deviate, if any. I know, like, a lot of the reviews I've read of the you know, the reviewers who've seen the whole thing already have said, like, it stays quite as as true to it as, as it needs to without, mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, God, sorry, my stomach just rumbled there, <laughs> without, like, going, you know, too far from the source material, mm-hmm. which is pretty good, I think. And is the idea to do a limited series or are they open to a second season? So I don't know. So there's, there's two games and actually I think people want there to be a third one. Um, but I don't know if... 
if the first series is going to be all of the first game because obviously it's like a game that's hours and hours long like there's a lot to do and there's a lot that you can drag out with a tv show so i'm not sure i don't actually know what point the first season is going to get to will it encapsulate the whole thing Mm -hmm. or will they try and extend that into a second season and then go into how many hours did you spend playing the game would you say (sighs) (sighs) oh god like i think it's i think the game is like 14 or 15 hours plus maybe maybe and to be honest like they released not too bad a remastered version of it, and I think it was about twenty hours. Hang on, let me have a look. The last because if you think how many hours there are in a big series, it's probably not that dissimilar. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, I was gonna assume a lot more. So yeah, fifteen hours is the original one, um, but you're likely you can spend up to twenty two hours on it, depending on hmm. if you're a completionist or not. Which I'm not really. Like <laughs> I'm not one of those. Well, that's a good word. Like, completionist. Yeah, completionist. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a one hundred percenter on everything. I don't really. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% Elven. No, exactly. As soon as the end credits roll, unless there's something really interesting, I tend to park it. Unless it's a post-credit section. Well, there very well could be, yeah. Yeah, because other people would or players would just go back and play yeah. all the different other but scenarios. the last of us is different in that in that it is ah. a linear story like it's ah, not okay. like you can go back and replay sections of the game but it's not like an open world thing where you can go and right at least if i don't think it is i can't remember it being mm-hmm. one. the new one is the second one is we're talking about video games sorry way too much on a movie podcast I, I i do think that you know our listeners are actually gonna appreciate that because it's but actually yeah. background information mm. for the show and it's everywhere right and now. i saw tim our friend comedian of cinema i think if he's listening i think i saw that he had played the games and he was at the premiere i think oh, or at least he? yeah i saw he Ooh, got some cool firefly buzzy. merch um, so yeah, I'm sure hopefully Tim appreciates it. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, we're going to give our thoughts in the next episode. Hopefully Simon, <laughs> you and I are going to catch up yeah. on The Last of Us. Yeah. yeah. Watch, it, yeah. watch that first, watch an episode or two. Yeah. yeah. What about so, you, Sophie? What's been going on? Uh, well, um, added with the movie a day mission. I'm still, so probably since we, it, it, last... it just sounds more and more of a chore every week. Yeah. <laughs> no, you no, don't no. make it sound enjoyable. <laughs> Well, I, I can see on your TV, Runaway Jury. Mm. I mean, What's that this? is my second movie today. Dipping our toes is, into John Grisham. It's but tw- actually, 28 minutes to go. Yeah, but actually, I haven't really been watching that one. 28 that minutes one. to go on Rachel Weisz's in <laughs> oh, I love Rachel Weisz. In About a Boy, <laughs> I used to so, really fancy her. <laughs> she's, the, she's the best part about this <laughs> film, I have to say. She's amazing. Thank you, Secretary. It's not too bad. But... um. No, it's just this month, it's just really long and depressing. And I feel like it's affecting my mood. But um, yes, since we last met, I've probably seen 14 more movies. Wow. (laughs) Um, I've seen some bad ones. some mediocre. Yeah. Well, a really bad one I saw yesterday was, it's called The Bad Samaritan. (laughs) (laughs) Is that, that's not the, that's not the Sylvester Stallone movie, is it? No, that's a David Tennant and Robert Sheehan uh, film. It's um, Magic Mike colon The Bad Ah, Samaritan. Ah, I see. (laughs) That one. (laughs) This is it, what Magic Mike 2 it, should have been. It, 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 that sound like <laughs> the a porn film. Yeah. To be fair, oh my God, it's awful. Um, pff, it's 2018, it was on Netflix. I, I have a soft spot for, for Tenant, so I saw him I and I was like, tenant, yeah. yeah, it was just really bad. It just nothing. Not a fan of Robert Sheehan, though. Yeah. I've never yeah. actually heard of it. Hang on, I need to Google this movie. I mean, it's about a home invasion. I mean, oh, Ro- God, okay. Robert so, invades into T- David Tennant's um, house, who's like this sort of super rich guy, and then things go south, obviously. But it could be really good if it was camp, like because they both tried so hard to be serious, it it, it fell flat. 
Um, so that was disappointing and boring and long. Uh, me and Michael watched it and we're like, we want this to be over, but we committed <laughs> to the to the mission. Love it. Um, and then in terms of highs, uh, I saw Tar with Kate Blanchett. So oh, yeah. Directed by Todd Field. Have you guys seen? Never heard of it. So T A R. Yes, T A R. So Todd Field has only done three films: In the Bedroom, Little Children, A Film I Love with Kate Blanchett and Patrick Wilson, and Tar is his third film. Okay. It's a bit of a flex to land Kate Blanchett for your third film, but okay. So Tar is about a fictional composer called Lydia Tar. And this story kind of charts her fall from grace because she's done something very problematic in you know in uh, modern terms that gets her cancelled basically. So it's very much about um, cancel culture yeah. and how doing something can basically destroy your career. And yeah, Kate Blanchett gives the performance of the year. I, I was I was saying to Ben earlier if Michelle doesn't win. Um, best picture, sorry, best actress for uh, everything everywhere. I would be happy with Kate Blanchett taking um, the the award for a tar. It's I have incredible. to say, Sophie, I'm reading about this film. It sounds much more interesting than you made it out to be. The one line synopsis is: A pair of burglars stumble upon a woman being held captive in a home they intend to rob. Wow. Wait, <laughs> she's talking about a different film. Though. Yeah, that's the. I'm Bad going Samaritan. back to Bad Samaritan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tar's definitely not that. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely recommend Tar. And I, I think, Simon, you're going to love the sound design because they play like, with classical scores because it's like basically what happens takes uh, takes place just days away before she has this massive symphony uh, recording. So she needs to nail it, but something happens and then things just spiral. Oh. But yes, it's just... An exciting incident. Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> or something comes from the past, basically. Something emerges oh, from the past okay. and gets your cancelled. Somebody goes double-based. Yeah. Which is usually the case... <laughs> Hello, it's a double-based. <laughs> well, but, but that's usually the case in, like, cancel culture. Something, you know, emerges from the past, from yeah. your past, yeah. 10 years ago, and then you're kind of done. Uh, so, yeah, that was the best film I've seen in the past two weeks. And then, yeah, cool. I want to get your thoughts on After Sun. I'm not going to give a your review yeah, just yet. But, yeah, Paul Meskel just got a BAFTA nomination. So we're excited to see whether, you know, he's yeah. going to get recognized by the industry. And if Howie does in Gladiator 2. Oh. The return of Gladiator. I, I've heard that rumor. I thought it wasn't a rumor. I thought it was pretty much confirmed. Is huh? it confirmed? I thought it was just a rumor. Okay. Maybe it is just a rumor. I thought it was pretty much nailed on that he got it, yeah. Oh my God, okay. I can see playing, it. I can um, see it. The, yeah, the future version of the young boy in it. I'm happy with it. That um, they're not going to bring Russell Crowe back from the dead. <laughs> which would be gas. He's not dying, is he? No, in Gladiator. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't listening. I was thinking about the other films that I watched, which uh, aren't quite as highbrow as some of Sophie's numbers. I watched, um, I had to watch Running Man again for work reasons. And then I ended okay. up watching, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then I ended up watching the documentary Pumping Iron. Have you guys seen that? Oh, I've heard of, yeah, I've heard about it. It's supposed it. to be amazing, it's, isn't it? Such a treat. Yeah. 1977. Where did you watch it? I bought it on Apple Movies. Oh, okay. okay. And it's a documentary about the Mr. Universe bodybuilding competitions in the late 70s mm. and Arnie features in it really heavily. It's his first, mm. it was one of like his first appearances on kind of screen and stuff. It must be, it? yeah. yeah. Mm. I think that's pre, it's like pre-Terminator and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and there's a really funny bit because they're all these guys, you know, trying to do these pose down competitions. And they're getting like tutored by like ballet dancers and stuff mm. on how to pose <laughs> and how to like work the crowds and stuff. And th there's a lot of, 
banter, but a lot of like sparring and kind of one-upmanship. And there's this little guy called Lou that Arnie keeps like beating <laughs> in these competitions. <laughs> And um, and, and and Arnie just plays it cool all the time, and Lou keeps like trying to be his friend, and like, oh wow! But he really looks up to him, but he also really wants to beat him because Arnie's like just so good at this stuff. Mm. And then there's this section right right towards the end where um, they're all sitting around a table, and they're about to get the results of who's won, like Mister Universe or whatever. And Arnie just leans over to Lou, and he's just like. I just called my mother, told her I've won. <laughs> and he hadn't even won yet. And, lose. and then Arnie just wins. It's amazing. It's worth Aww. watching just for that clip. Honestly, Arnie has so much charisma, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Although, I I, I, because I because I obviously searched for it, then I started getting served stuff on YouTube related yeah. to it. And there's a video I haven't watched yet called Why Documentaries Lie. And it's like got the pumping iron like... Still. If, <laughs> if, you want, if you want another quick treat, oh. I, I suggest you watch... Uh, during COVID, Arnie was interviewed on like Jimmy Kimmel or uh, yeah, I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or something like that. And he's interviewed from his California home and halfway through the interview, his donkey, which has free roam of the house, just comes in and he what like talks fuck? to the donkey like it's a human person. <laughs> a donkey lives yeah. in the house? Yeah, he has a donkey that just what? like comes into the house and that then that is then just part of the interview, like Arnie and his donkey that he's like feeding carrots to and the, do- the donkey has like a pyramid, like the donkey's called like Gertrude or something like that, like it has a, has a human wild. name. Please welcome Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hello, Governor. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? You've got an infestation there, it seems. I have my Lulu here. They love to eat here when they have lunch. And I just finished lunch, and now they are here, and they just like to participate a little bit with the lunch. I hope you don't mind. Quite eccentric, because like in the documentary, yeah. I think he, he basically trains in either Southampton or Portsmouth, which I would never have expected. <laughs> mm. Basically, he had no money, and this family in like Southampton basically took him in. Well, he's from a really poor, like he's from a poor background in like Austria. Yeah. He? Like he's not from a wealthy family or anything. So he arrived in the, in the south coast of the UK mm. in the seven, in the early 70s, mid 70s. And then this family, like he lived with them and they like helped him train in their garage and like, you know, got him into these competitions and stuff. It's really not what you expect. Wow. But the That's only so thing I think is, probably perhaps what that YouTube video is about in terms of they lie to you is like they never talk about steroids or drugs. Okay. And that must have been part of that yeah. scene, but it's never mentioned in this documentary. The elephant mm. in the room. So watch Pumping Iron and then watch the clip of Arnie feeding his donkey during the interview. <laughs> That's <laughs> not a euphemism. <laughs> we can put the link in the show notes as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll find that. We'll yeah. do that. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Community, we're back. So, yeah, since we're talking about bridesmaids in this episode and since we've recently also done other comedy films like Little Sunshine and Love Actually, we thought it would be interesting to have a conversation about the state of comedy and whether comedy is in crisis, as the industry starts to say. Um, some people are making the argument that, you know, you can't be funny anymore because you're going to get cancelled and, you know, like Netflix taking over and there's no point in doing comedy anymore. So we asked our listeners our thoughts on the subject. And yeah, I would love for us to go through some of the answers if you guys are ready. Yeah. Cool. So a podcast actually uh, gave probably the most comprehensive uh, comment in the... Um, it was an interesting uh, mix of thoughts. So first, a general emergence of wide societal sensitivity and the need to cater to all sensitivities dilutes the possibility to offend, which is then to say being offensive equates comedy, right? 
Second, most comedies are so uniform, formulaic, in aesthetic, uh, in narrative, and in expe- expectation. There is not enough risk to push on some standards on the, or the status quo. The best comedies are a bit rebellious, a bit askew, and seldom cater to wide sensibilities. Haven't had a great comedy in probably over a decade. So I think they speak to yeah the you know emergence of political correctness really and how mm. supposedly you're not. If you're a comedian or if you're a comedy writer, you're probably feeling less encouraged to, you know, write down a joke. Sometimes I feel days. like that. But then cause I think perhaps Life of Brian wouldn't have got made. And and, and even so when Life of Brian was released, like the, the church went into meltdown. Mm-hmm. It's very controversial. Mm. But then we've just had, say, uh, the Book of Mormon in the last, like, it feels like modern. It's right. quite old now, isn't it? But that, And that sort of gives me faith that you can still offend but be funny yeah. and do it in a way that isn't mean it's just you know making light of everything at once you know all all religions get sent up in the book of mormon i i have to say can i just say i take back everything i said about i know movies new down because in his reply to your comment sophie he's also referenced tucker and dale versus evil which is a fantastic film which does not get enough credit so <laughs> I, I agree hard retweet the thing that i would say as well is there is a lot of, I would say there's a lot of funny TV out there. So like, what is the, what is the difficulty in making longer form funny? I think like... I, when you say funny TV, like what examples so of modern... Mother, Motherland came out over the last couple of years. Motherland's fantastic. Mm. Uh, Fleabag is still kind of relatively, it's not that mm. old now, mm. is brilliantly funny. Like there's funny, t- it's always funny in Philadelphia. There you go. That's been running for years. It's like, it's funny TV shows. What is it about movies that people are struggling to... You know, I guess with TV shows, it's a once-off. But then again, Fleabag's not really like Fleabag is like a linear thing, and like the, there's a there's a series arc to it. Like maybe it's hard because of because of sensitivity. Maybe sensitivity is the wrong word, but because of because as you of say, being worried to offend. Because of being worried to offend, it's almost like with a series, maybe it's easier because you can take your time around the jokes. You can give a bit more backstory. Where as for a film to land and for a comedy movie to do what it needs to do it kind of needs to be like a joke a minute every for 90 minutes and then when it gets to 90 minutes you're done Mm. whereas you know yeah do people worry about that and it's why tv is maybe funnier because you have more time to flesh out characters and stuff like that whereas i think that's a good point i would argue it's actually more of a gatekeeper issue rather than a creator problem so Mm. for example was it bbc that the flea bag was on Yes. Yeah. Like BBC took a risk, you know, like quote unquote risk, unfortunately. Like because with of the, Flea, you, because the unique way the BBC is funded. That's how yeah. it And well, in fairness, some of the risks the BBC have taken over, the, like, you know, whether you agree with what some of the BBC does with the license fee or not. Fleabag, a risk. I may destroy you, a risk. Mm-hmm. Amazing TV shows. Mm. Yeah, exactly. While like the major, like, Hollywood, you know, studios clearly, clearly see that. Yeah, you get you, Top what, Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise. Uh, because it's 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 like the most popular genre of movie that can yield the most revenue, yeah. whereas like nobody's going to go into a movie pitch meeting trying to say that comedy is going to make you huge, huge mega bucks like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I do think that you know the Julia Roberts, you know, rom com has died, like that kind of nineties uh, aesthetic. Yeah, which used to sell so well. I think mm. that's the problem for me. It's not about are we allowed to say what we're allowed to say because. Other commenters said, well, there is TikTok, there is YouTube. So people are out there making mm. jokes. Then they find like platforms that are democratized like TikTok. But I think it's the studios that are like, we're not even going to fund you because the movie is going to flop, which is true. Like Bridesmaids, 
it would be a Netflix original today. Like it wouldn't, yeah. make, it wouldn't make the money that made in the box office that it did like 11 mm. when, when it came out years ago. For some reason, people don't go to the, you know, the cinema to watch comedies anymore. Watching comedy in like large groups, especially in movies, maybe I think it's it's different because you're just watching, a fi- it's not like going to a comedy show or something like that, where it's a, like it's an actual person standing in front of you telling jokes. Mm-hmm. It, like it is so subjective that if you're not la- like in a movie theater, if you're the person not laughing, it's kind of an intimidating thing. So it's almost easier to watch comedy movies at home because you I feel disarmed by it. I think that one of the big reasons why people go to the cinema is because... They want to check their human. And when they feel sad and they look at everyone else feeling sad, they're like, yeah, I'm just like them. We're all the same. And when they laugh and then you see everyone else laughing. Yeah, but I think it's different when it's like, if like, or sorry, maybe it's wrong. Maybe not laughing. Maybe laughing at something that you shouldn't laugh at then. Yeah. That would be considered offensive. Like if you laugh at something, a joke that you are probably not supposed to laugh at, then you look around you and go, oh, shoot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, shit. I don't know. Potentially. Though, one other thing that uh, just came to mind was, uh, I think I mentioned this before, I remember Jason Bateman saying, because he has access to all the Netflix data and whatever, because he's been mm. working with them for so long, that for some reason, comedy TV shows have the highest drop-off rates as well on okay. Netflix. So people actually don't even finish like comedy shows compared to drama mm. or like mystery or whatever it might be, which I think goes back to your point around like, they don't like... The comedy shows today don't really have anything but punchlines. They don't really have narrative yeah. that gets you to go to the next episode, mm. like Fleabag. Like that sort of combination of narrative and humor is actually quite yeah, rare. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. like what's the difference between porn and erotica. But like erotica can still hold up without the sex because the, st- the narrative and the story is still there. And it's yeah. the same with what you're saying about mm. comedy, isn't yeah. it? You need some more structure behind it for it to stand up. Mm. Otherwise, you watch a couple of episodes and you're like, yeah, yeah that's not for me. You're just watching people fucking and you're like... <laughs> 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 the storyline is rubbish. What is this? That's He's not even, he hasn't even yeah. come to fix the yeah. printer. He's just here to have sex. What's going on? <laughs> Um, someone else said, everything in real life has become an absurd tragic comedy. The best writers yeah. cannot top, so we all just watch bullshit news instead and get our comedy yeah. gigs there. I've seen Armando Iannucci <laughs> get asked that question so much in the last few years. Like, how do you write comedy like Veep or In the Loop or mm. whatever when yeah. when when government is so absurd itself? Yeah. And he's like, no, you can still do it. They used, to, yeah, they, they used to say that when Trump was president all the time. Yeah. Like, how do, you, how do you lampoon Trump? Because mm. by the time you've made fun of him, he's already said something 10 times as stupid. It's like, well, then you're just being lazy and not brave enough to try and write mm. something funny you know but I agree with what you're saying before it, this, it definitely comes back to money yeah I think and, so too and, and, and I feel like that's what all of our lives are kind of coming down to in a way in terms of all of the culture that we consume because mm. with all the data that everyone goes on about being collected it's like a race to the bottom and mm-hmm. it's like well, we're just yeah. going to end up watching Top Gun Maverick every weekend because that makes the most money well, and, and, yeah, and, the most and people. like Netflix's whole commissioning structure is based on what is the data telling us what people mm. are watching? Well, like, yeah, what are people watching? But sometimes what I do don't they know want? what I want. Yeah. And I just want to yeah. be surprised and delighted. Exactly, by the yeah. I'm surprised film. and delighted, but I still never click the shuffle button on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I'm surprised by what I want to watch. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want it to be picked for me. I kind of still want to just, mm. I still want to spend two hours I get just flicking through fucking everything on Netflix to try and find what I want to watch. Yeah, I get that. But Netflix, I feel like they have mastered how they can make the most amount of money out of comedy with minimum budget. And that is the comedy specials that they do. 
because yeah. they cost not, like they just cost like getting that getting the person on stage and the production show of the oh the um the stand up the stand up sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry the comment, yeah because they have created the genre out of well that. the funny so the funniest so the funniest thing I I have seen I would say in the last like three or four years has was the Bo Burnham special during lockdown that was yeah. incredible like I watched that and I was like I know this is a stand up comedy special but this should win this should win best film at the Oscars <laughs> it should win best film at the Bachelor <laughs> it should win Grammys like everything about it mm-hmm. like that's the first time in a like I, I remember I watched that I think I watched that on my own like I just watched it late one night I was like oh I like Bob Burnham I'll give it a watch on my own no other people in the room which I think is I think it's telling if something can make you laugh on your own you're not being influenced by the people around you pissed myself laughing for the whole thing it's I wonder, fucking hilarious I do think though the state of mind that you're in and how you know the changes how receptive you are to content like no, but that was a lockdown thing. Yeah. And I would watch no, I know, it. No, I, but I would watch I've I've rewatched it since and I still find it as funny. Okay. I find the songs yeah. as entertaining. I will listen to the album like on my way to work. Like I've got it downloaded <laughs> on my phone. So I can, I can just flick it on and listen to it and just like Is it like Flight of the Concords where Yeah. Yeah. Have you not watched it? No. So but I you mean, told me before yeah, sure. that it, it uh, right up your alley. It's it, cool. It's yeah. genius. Like it's yeah. so funny. And it's the way he did it, like filmed it over I think it's filmed over like a year or something. And it is, yeah, it's absolutely genius. Mm-hmm. And the last uh, comment that stood out to me, which I hadn't considered, but it makes sense to an extent, uh, Nate uh, says, it's because movies are being more globally released, particularly in China. Comedy is very subjective to their own culture, and every culture has their own sense of humor, and that's why there are several versions of The Office. It is, true. like, I agree that... Yeah. Sometimes com- like comedy and humor doesn't transcend culture. So what you find funny, I might not find mm-hmm. funny because I don't get the reference, the cultural yeah. reference. Mm. So I guess the more niche the humor is, the more it resonates on a local level. And it can't be like a global, like, you know, box office hit in China. I, I get that. Yeah, but I think I, you have to hit gold with stuff like like I yeah. would I would say, and again it goes back to TV. I would and I don't know if I I know Simon you've seen I don't know so if you I would say Father Ted is the funniest television program <laughs> ever written, like ever. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't like I can still watch that every time and be surprised at how much I laugh watching it. And I have met people who aren't like obviously you would say Ben's Irish, of course he loves the. TV show set in the 90s about three Irish priests living on Ireland, <laughs> an island off the coast of Ireland. But it, I think Father Ted is just universally funny. Like, I don't think I've met someone who has been like, I, I didn't really, like, I, you, you don't have to get it, but it still makes you laugh. There's still bits in it that you just piss yourself mm-hmm. laughing of, like, the idea of 10 priests getting lost in a lingerie section. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking funny. Like, it's so funny. Which goes back to smart writing. Yeah. I, I started watching Dairy Girls, uh, Ben. <laughs> it just came up on your funny. screen, actually, before. I was oh, like, oh, yeah, Dairy Girls is brilliantly I'm funny I'm pretty well. sure I'm, I'm missing, like, five out of ten references, but I still enjoy but it. But you know what? It's yeah. the thing is, and, like, the best comedy as well, it doesn't really matter in the setting. There's still something really relatable about yeah, it. So, like, exactly. Dairy Girls has a great, has a really relatable thing of... You, you don't relate to the setting of it being set in Ireland during mm. the Troubles or whatever it is, but you relate to you and your group of friends at that age. Yeah. And, you know, y- you relate to that thing. Like super bad. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't necessarily, you don't understand like the American school system of that, but you just mm-hmm. kind of understand that we're friend you were in school with the good dicks on everything. And like <laughs> there's kind of something that you can gravitate towards, like mm-hmm. the best comedies maybe don't have something that everybody laughs at, but they have something that everybody can kind of Human. connect to or recognize. Yeah. Like it's hard to be, 
I think somebody, I, don't, I, I thought I saw somebody making a comment about like something like Anchorman. Mm-hmm. And like Anchorman and Anchorman 2 are really good examples of something that's really funny and of its time and something that tried to then grow and be different and was completely unfunny. Because Which one it was, was nothing unfunny? Relatable. The second one. I thought the second Anchorman was so unfunny because it tried to do everything the first one did which was really of its time and kind of really different. And then they just tried to do it in like a woke new setting. And it was like, this is just not mm, funny. It was yeah. the same with Zoolander 2 as well. Like, yeah, awful. you know, comedy sequel, that's another thing. Comedy is really hard to do right. Comedy sequels are probably even harder. You know, even like Beverly Hills Cop is a great film. Two and three. <laughs> uh, Bad Boys 2. <laughs> I like Bad Boys too. That's, that's my hangover film. But I mean, the fact is they're making, an, and the fact that they're making another Beverly Hills Cop as well is kind of like, yeah. oh, Jesus. So like, it's really hard to do a sequel. Mm. There's like, how many comedy sequels can you look at and go, that was really good? Mm. Like, is Ghostbusters a comedy? If Ghostbusters is a comedy, then I would say maybe the second Ghostbusters stands up to the first one. Right, yeah. But it's kind of hard. Yeah. It Airplane, hard. maybe. Naked Gun. Naked Gun, yeah. Anything with Leslie Nielsen in it. Pretty hilarious. <laughs> I still love watching like clips of Leslie Nielsen using his fart machine in interviews. It's amazing. It's so childish. <laughs> well, again, like yeah, but just it's so childish and just silly. that's why it's I think silly. Like it's like really innocent comedy. It's yeah. not like offensive or clever or sophisticated. Mm. It's just a fart, and it's still yeah. funny. And that's why airplane. That's why airplanes brilliant. Is because it's all so stupid. And if you go in trying to watch these films with like a high breath sense of, well, I know what comedy is and I know how it should be structured. Yeah, but it's still like, I'm serious and don't call me Shirley is always going to be fun. Like mm. when yeah. I say it, it's not funny, but when Leslie Nielsen says it in that scene, it's fucking brilliant. Like it's so funny. It's, well, it's the silliness that I like in a lot of those films. Yeah, which that, we don't get anymore. I wonder, are people what, afraid to be silly? Like th- That's what I was going to say. That is such a good point because about the simplicity, the silliness, like the there is something there that people didn't used to overthink as much. Like yeah. the, what I pops feel into like, my head is um, Happy Gilmore right. is a great example of. Have you seen guys seen it? Of course, yeah, yeah. Do you know it? Yeah, yeah. This, 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 it's just like the the wooden hand getting run over. Just the even the name like Shooter McGavin. I just wonder whether like if you do some sort of fart joke these days, they're gonna be like, oh my god, you're not being sensitive to people with IBS. Like, like, I don't even know. Like, I feel like people are just gonna question everything. You're not being sensitive to people called Shirley. Don't make the don't call me Shirley joke anymore. Actually, I did think that. I was watching Matilda. I thought. Because there's this bit where Miss Trunchable makes this boy eat loads and loads of Bruce, cake. Bruce Bogtrotter, yeah. Yeah, but, it, but they pick quite a fat boy for mm. that part. Mm. And obviously that's the portrayal they went for in what, the mid-90s or that whatever. That was traumatising, yeah. Yeah. But, Is it not um, the same in the new one, though? No? I just can't remember. But I, I, yeah, but I guess there are things that were a bit crass back in the day that you, you'd be more sensitive yeah. about. But Well, so interestingly enough that we're... <clears throat> God, sorry. That we're talking about bridesmaids today so i was reading today so you know m&ms have the spokes candies Candies, yeah you know that's not going to be a thing anymore yeah maya rudolph is coming maya rudolph is now maya rudolph from bridesmaids who is the woman who's getting married in bridesmaids is now going to be the spokesperson from m&ms because there's been so much backlash over the last like year with how they've added a new spokes candy for m&m that they're just getting rid of it i don't know what you're talking about so you, know, you know, so you know, you know, on the M M&M and M ads, an ad for M and M's, the two characters. talking M and M's. Yeah, there's not going to be talking M and M's anymore because there's been so much backlash over the last year of like, 
you know, the portrayal of the female ones and like their sexuality and oh. like how they're drawn. And you're just like, fucking Jesus it's Christ. What, and so she's got the gig to then come up with a new she's, song. No, she's right just, the, she's going to be the face of M&M's now. She's oh. going to, she's going to um, debut. Paid. The money. Yeah. Oh, I'd say she's getting um, Yeah, she's going to debut on the Super Bowl. There's going to be an M&M's Super Bowl ad and she's going to debut at that. I didn't know it was like a sensitivity kind of. Yeah, they put oh out a statement today. I think it's because, you know, Tucker Carlson, that are They're going to get cancelled based on previous <laughs> ad campaigns. Yeah, possibly, yeah. So they're just preempting it now. But yeah, I mean, it's not just affecting our movies anymore. It's affecting our candy. Well, oh. <laughs> I don't really care about Eminem's <laughs> films. Oh, Simon, how dare you? But we, do, like but we do care about Maya. So yeah. Yeah, yes. we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with um, Bridesmaids. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Ah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. Okay, so we're back for another final scene breakdown. This time the final scene and kind of post-credit scene of the iconic 2011, want to say, comedy bridesmaids. 2011? Uh, 2011, no? 2012? Yeah. Something like that. Hmm. Yes, it's been ages. It's an old movie, yeah. So wait, is it an universe? No, close to. I don't think so. (laughs) More than 10 years, basically. It did introduce me to this song I've never heard. 2011, June 24th, 2011. 2011. This song just makes me want to go. Over 10 years. (laughs) It's such a banger. Oh. It's quite swanky. Yeah. I love it. Oh, God, perfect. Uh, Should I take us through the plot? Yes, please do. Annie, Kristen Wiig, is a single woman whose own life is a mess, but when she learns that her lifelong best friend, Lillian, Maya Rudolph, is engaged, she has no choice but to serve as the maid of honor. <laughs> Though lovelorn and almost penniless. Lovelorn and love, almost that, penniless. That, wow. That, like longing. I think it's love longing for love, is it? That is the actual summary from IMDb. Wow. And pen, nevertheless, wins your way through the strange and expensive rituals associated with your job as a bride's go-to girl. Oh. Determined to make things perfect, she game leads Lillian and the other bridesmaids down the wild road to the wedding. I mean, that's I mean that's a film, pretty much. Because Annie is the central character. Mm. Everyone else feels like a support, like supporting cast, pretty much. Yeah. Um what are your thoughts on the film and what's your experience with the film? I'm assuming you've seen it a bunch of times, both of you, or Yeah, I've seen yeah. it a few times. I think it's great. I mean, I think it is I think it's hilarious. The scene that I always think about is the the almond eating exchange really cracks me up. So they're in the, the shop trying on the dresses and there's you know, you're building up to the big shit scene oh, and yeah. Scene. Oh, yeah. it's coming out of me like I lava. Mean, but uh, the bit the build where up is great. The bit where she has to pretend she's not feeling mm. ill <laughs> and crunches some almonds, like yeah. sweet almonds. So oh, yeah. yeah I so love funny. that scene. That whole scene is just, I mean, the shitting scene is it, just so it, funny. Yeah, this one and the plane scene. I mean, <laughs> with, yeah, the I plane. I mean, plane is just Kristen Wiig, just like a masterclass yeah. in acting. It's just, help me, I'm poor. Like, all, yeah. of, like, all of these memes are just... <laughs> And uh, Melissa McCarthy talking through how to tape a gun to your, tape a gun to your ass cheeks or whatever it is, something like that. You know, oh cutting a hole, cutting a hole in your pocket. Yeah, uh, yeah, squatting the, on that thing. Was Air Marshal John, who's her real husband. 
Is that her? Is that her husband in real life? Is it Air Ben Marshall Falcone? John? Okay, yeah, yeah that's ben that's Marshall. really her husband. Yeah. Ah, okay. So the yeah. naughty bear scene is it's not, like okay. Yeah, that could be their bedroom. That could be their bedroom. They've been together for ages. Uh, and Didn't they make a, a TV show together recently that was crap? Awful. I was. Yeah. I speaking of comedy. Not going to miss any words. I lasted two episodes. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. And I also watched. I mean, slightly off topic, very very quickly. Uh, Super Intelligence on Prime with Melissa McCarthy. What's that? Super Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone as well. It's awful. Oh, is it like that watched, spy movie? N- it's worse. It's with oh. like AI. Uh, oh, it, it has James Cord. Cord- Corden? What's his yeah, name? Corden, yeah, Corden, yeah. That's all I need to tell you. Okay, he plays the AI, yeah. So going back <laughs> to the film, fun fact, did you guys know Melissa McCarthy won an Oscar nomination? And did she? Yeah, for like Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Good. Not, good, she was, yeah. She's, the be- she's probably like she the best got, thing in it. She was really good. But to be nominated for an Oscar for that film, even though I feel like she wasn't very well known at the time. I feel like that Maybe. was kind of her breakout, wasn't it? Like, it I mean, like she'd it. been in, so she'd been in Gilmore Girls, I know, for quite a while. Yes. And that would have been like early 2000s. But I think that was kind of her introduction to Hollywood. like mainstream comedy kind of Hollywood. Yeah, so good an Oscar nomination. Wow, so Jesus, funny. Mick. I mean, how many people have gotten an Oscar nomination for shitting in a sink? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine too many. But she's, I mean, she is the standout and kind of the hero of the film. She's, she's the really one that good. at the end of it goes to Annie and is kind of, is kind of like, she's a bit, there's kind of comparisons to her to kind of like Zach Galifianakis's character in, in the, in The Hangover, like a, this kind of. <laughs> where she just assumes like her and Annie are best friends again. Mm. Like that pep talk at the end is great where she's just like, I'm life, scene. I'm beating you up. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Complain about it. And yeah, it's just, she's great in it. I love it. So that yeah, scene. well deserved. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like that film too. It's not a perfect movie. I feel like the pace is a bit, you know, um, draggy at times, but you know, those two scenes are just and like, I think yeah. when it comes to endings, we, we also don't get like two of the characters who've been in it from uh, throughout as well. We don't get endings for. So yes. um, the girl who plays Erin in the office, what's her name? Oh my God, I'm forgetting. Ellen Kemper. Yeah, so no, Ellie, 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 Kemper, Ellie Kemper. And so Rita and Becca, two of the actresses in it, who have a really funny scene on the airplane where, where she's talking about like her awful sex. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like, is it normal that like every time like all the lights have to be off them. <laughs> is that the really nervous yeah one? Yeah. Really, yeah and like they're really funny but like at the end she's we didn't like, get enough of them yeah we, do, we didn't get enough of them and then we don't get a resolution to them at all we get that Annie's with Chris O'Dowd and uh, Maya Rudolph's character gets married and uh, Rose Byrne's character is just a bitch yeah but um, kind you know of, yes, learns yeah. we learn something about her that oh she was really sad all along yes Make me feel bad for you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then yeah, those two are just kind of left behind. And obviously Melissa McCarthy ends up with Air Marshall John. I, 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 I quite like Annie's mum as a character when she gets obsessed with the Tom Hanks film Castaway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she wants her to move back in so they can watch Castaway. I just like I, and I like that she's uh what she's in AA, she goes to AA meetings as a sponsor and then just doesn't keep it anonymous, just goes goes around telling and people she's in AA meetings. And she's never yeah. drunk. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the actual ending, right? Take it from the top. So official, like, spoiler zone here. So as you recall... The movie's been out for 12 years. I it's mean, not yeah, you're not allowed to not on. have seen it at this point. So Annie spends months of the movie kind of circling roads, the, you know, highway um, patrol officer, as you said, Ben. Chris O'Dowd. Played, yeah, we love him. 
after they quote unquote close the deal, Annie flees. Uh, she ignores <laughs> his voicemails and basically treats him like a jerk when he shows up at the scene of your car accident. And she lives with the you know fuck buddy her uh, himbo, John Hamm. her himbo, oh, which John is a term. That, which is a term. He that was I so good recently. in that film, a like hot, a hot yeah. bimbo. Yeah, he's yeah. so good. He's just, such a dick. Like he's yeah, such yeah, a dick. It's just incredible. Yet, you like, just get lost in his eyes. Comedy skills. Annie later tries to apologize, but Rose isn't having it. Uh, when he helps Annie and Ellen find Lillian on her wedding day, she sends her on her way with a pretty unequivocal final farewell. However, fast forward to the final scene of the movie, after a live sing-along with Wilson Phillips, Annie leaves the wedding only to find Rose standing there outside waiting for her. Annie apologizes and they share a kiss. And the movie ends with the two of them looking into each other's eyes and all the jazz and all that Hollywood sees. They drive away, don't they? They drive he away. He to arrest her. And that's the actual final scene of the film. We're going to talk about the post credit scene. But yeah, what did you make of that? Like, w- my question is, what did you make of that film? Which I did feel like at the time it was, pr- you know, quite um, different, right? Like up until the point we, we had the Judd Apatow films, like Knocked Up, Superbad, uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, but they were all like male mm. heavy. Like that yeah. was the very, one quite of the very growing. first uh, female heavy cast that were allowed to, you know, yeah, shit on the street, for example, and yeah. do those sorts of things. But it still ended on a very convention, you know, girl needs to get the guy to feel happy kind of ending. And what did you make of that? She kind of treats him like shit for quite a lot. Like, yeah. Annie, like Annie as a character, you're kind of like, she's not like the most sympathetic person in the world. In some no, ways. Especially not in the jewelry shop scene. Yeah. She's awful. <laughs> yeah, My she's argument awful. is that she's the villain in the movie. Like, but that's she, why she's so relatable. Yeah. She, she's got this side to her that, that isn't perfect and you can relate to that. Yeah. She's like... And he is the unconventional kind of knight in shining armor. Like it's, yeah. you know... But I can't relate to, you know, ruining my best friend's wedding just because I'm having a bad day. You know, like when in, oh, the, in the, the baby is, sour scene, like she, yeah. she I was gets, so mad at her. She gets like um, cooked up to boiling point by the new friend. Yeah, and she's like yeah. in this and rage, and that's where and it, it kind explodes. of it does as a film. Yeah. It does follow those kind of classic comedy tropes of like the one person like trying to control everything and yeah. making the other person really and like pushing them to like it all feels really manipulative. That like I'm going to annoy you so much that you quit as being the bride. Mm. Like it is quite like formulaic in that regard but it's like i think that's why it's so relatable because she's really struggling in life and all this mm. stuff just mounts up and just keeps mounting until she has that complete meltdown which is like exquisite to watch yeah, yeah I, cookie and everything where she's trying to knock over the big yeah. chocolate fountain yeah <laughs> no I'm, you don't get a puppy <laughs> <laughs> no i'm happy with that i just go back to what ben said like i i I feel like her relationship with the patrol officer kind of died in, in the car accident scene. Like he was pretty much like, we're done. Because yeah. he had, you know, fucked up so many times. Yeah, she did. Yeah, like. Her, and then we did an explanation really as to why he herself. comes back yeah. and he's waiting for her. He like, just, he just kind of like crawls back to yeah, her. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. It is a bit of a, I would have loved one more scene in between that kind of shows that mm, maybe, like at least a yeah. maybe. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'd had enough jokes by then. I was I didn't really mind how it ended. I had yeah, such I think, a good time watching it. I guess, and and that's the thing, isn't it? Right, like like with a with an ending for a film like that, it's you've had an and hour anyway, and that half, wasn't the is, real ending. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a second. Right, yeah. But it's just like you know, just 
just tie, there's no, there's no questions answered. Just kind of tying it off. The loose it's ends. almost like, like the film's a series of vignettes in a way, and you can kind of you can watch them in isolation and really enjoy them. And so you could watch. Well, you can watch them as like you could almost watch them as like comedy sketches, all yeah. kind of sti- uh, like vignettes or comedy sketches stitched together. Like the the wedding dress shopping thing could be an, an SNL sketch. Yeah, the plain one could be. Yeah. Um, the mum and castaway one. Like I guess the restaurant Ap- scene. Apatow, be- Apatow films kind of feel like that, and it probably happens. Stuff like that probably happens when with movies like Bridesmaids when you have a cast who are all like ha- have backgrounds from like SNL and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and like sketch comedians, and it's probably difficult to. It's probably just easy to like try and find uh, a vehicle for loads of funny sketches to like work together. But like, that's not to say that it's not a brilliantly funny film. And yeah, I have so maybe, much respect for, how do you say it? Apatow. Apatow, yeah. Yeah, because like, like we were saying before, imagine how, you know, it's hard to do comedy and then you'd have to do it on set with light and over and over again. Yeah. And then you had this, this nub of an idea that was funny to begin with. And on the 59th reshoot is like, you're like, is this still funny? That's really mm. hard. Yeah. Whereas if you're Tom Cruise doing a motorbike wheelie, you're like, you can get the wheelie just right on the 59th go. But it's the 59th reshoot of you doing a line and you're not the sure. Same the joke. Re- you, nobody can tell anymore if it's funny or not. And yeah. that's seriously skillful to be able to cut through all that and still find some gold. Yeah. I think. Yeah. What do you think, Sophie? <laughs> what, what do you uh, make of it? No, I just like, I agree. I feel like uh, because I did like his films. Well, he did produce the film. He didn't direct. Uh, yeah. Appetite. Yeah. But he was. It's written, it's written by Kristen um, Wiig, I think, and someone else. Is Paul Fig. Uh, F- I don't know how you Paul pronounce Feig. it. Yeah. So it was directed by him for sure. Okay. And I know um, who's, um was an executive producer, so he was heavily involved. Mm. So I could almost see that, you know, because it was such a groundbreaking film at the time because of the female heavy cast, how they basically took the you know, guy gets the girl kind of formula of those films at the time. And they just flip the narrative for girl gets the guy yeah. to feel happy sort of thing, which is fine. But, you know, at the time there were enough resolutions, like she had found her best friend. She was kind of like resolved her issues with Helen. Mm. Um, she was back on track. It was just like, yeah, the like the I didn't feel like it was a patronizing ending. I didn't feel like it. Yeah, okay. I didn't yeah, feel okay. like it was she needed him to be happy. It was just, they came together and it was like a little treat that it was all happy. But I think it's just, just kind waiting of, for her outside, it, even though he had dumped her. Like it was just a bit random. But okay. To be honest, it probably doesn't even need that. It probably just yeah. needs to end at the Wilson Phillips scene. I, I agree. I agree. Like, you know, it, it, as an, as an ending. But you're supposed to be wondering, during the Wilson Phillips scene, you're supposed to be like, whoa, did they or didn't they? And yeah, then it's but like, exactly. oh, and yeah, but, but that yeah, but, would yeah, have but, been much more interesting. Maybe you don't need to know. Maybe yeah. it just goes from Wilson Phillips into Hungry Bear. Yeah, yeah. But they, probably did, they probably did that edit and then they were like, oh, let's just give them all a nice treat. Yeah, yeah. but then the same thing yeah. happened with Blade Runner, you know? It's like a nice treat that nobody really enjoyed at the end. What it should say when you watch the film now, it should say, do you want the treaty treat ending yes. or the not treat ending? <laughs> yeah, like, you in, like, in, like, you know, like in Wayne's World where it's like, yeah. oh, we do the sad ending, then we do the super happy ending, and then we do the horny ending. You yeah. watch, you know, yeah. Melissa McCarthy scene with her husband. Ending <laughs> on the Wilson Phillips, uh, you know, uh, scene would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. and like what, like five minutes earlier? Because ultimately, the the film was about the wedding. You know, like it was yeah. leading up. to and the wedding. And I think wedding. you have the resolution with Helen anyway, in the fact that Helen comes to find her, and there's the admission yeah. that like she can only, she's the only one he'll know where, you know, Maya Rudolph's character has gone. Like that resolution is fine. You don't actually need her to come up and be like, "I'm actually really sad," and like <laughs> this happens with all my friends. And you're like, oh god. Mm. Come yeah, on. maybe the perfect ending for me would have been yeah been off the 
Officer Rhodes yeah. returning for not for no reason mm. and just cut to like the naughty bear scene. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Because then because you could imagine that going on in like a hotel room during yeah. the dance. What you do is what you do is you cut to the naughty bear scene and rather than eating a <laughs> rather than eating a sandwich they're eating cakes from Annie's new bakery that's doing so successful (laughs) so we know Annie's doing great with her bakery and Melissa McCarthy and Air Marshal John are having a great time just with a you know, a big phallic-shaped cake or something. Maybe it's like an erotic bakery. Okay, we definitely. Yeah, no, it, it has to be funny. It has to be a sandwich, like a flappy subway sandwich. <laughs> you can make so many uh, flappy sweets. Yeah, but yeah. There's, there's something like it could extra be baguette. Gross about it that could sandwich. be baguette. It could be baguette. And the way she yeah, exactly. Bit, you can bread, bread, bread is bread is baked. A bit of meat and like opens. Yeah, it she like flaps it in front of the screen, doesn't <laughs> she? At one point, yeah. Okay. Like a focaccia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all floppy and like and greasy. It's perfect. <laughs> It's the funny thing is though, like he's like isn't he, he's like tied up and there's like police tape in the background. Oh, I like yeah. it when she begins that scene and she goes, uh, tape number one <laughs> one nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's an autopsy. She's yeah. like tape number it's like take number one ninety-three, <laughs> mine and Air Marshal John's first sexual encounter. That's so funny. <laughs> So that is the almost post-credits scene. I mean, it's not like yeah. full post-credits, but kind mm. of, because, yeah, it does cut to black and then, right? No, it doesn't. It literally it cuts doesn't. straight to that as it... It's, it, it just goes... Funny, sh- 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 and it's like I a guess, little yeah, bit of white it's funny. It's, it's, it's almost like uh, like she has the whole movie on videotape and she's accidentally recorded over it with her sex tape. Yeah, it's quite yeah. funny. Like, it's just... It kind of, like, interrupts. Oh, I haven't thought about it in those terms. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's yeah. like it cuts in, like, a video. Like, you know the way, like, when you used to, like, Wait, record like when over you videos. recorded over your parents' wedding with you. With Barney, exactly, yeah. Do you know that story? No, yeah, apparently I did that as a child, recorded off my parents' wedding video. The only copy. Yeah, exactly. That is very strange. No digital copies back <laughs> did, then. Did you like record a little bit in? So like they start, they put it on as a tree. Yeah, I then... think so. I think it just at one point it just cuts out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we basically, the post-credit scene is basically Megan and Air Marshall. We see them in a bed together, but instead yeah. of having sex, they, like, Megan just feeds him this like weird. No, it's not. It's, well, she's feeding him the sandwich, but then it cuts, it, it keeps cutting. And then at one point she's like in his crotch eating the sandwich out of his crotch. <laughs> it's like, yes. It's, it's almost, sort of it's almost, Worse than actual sex. It, yeah, to, yeah. It, to, it's that, yeah, it's the most ridiculous thing that we've seen in the film by far, mm. probably. But, yeah, mm. but it's one of my yeah. favorite scenes. Actually, it's not like yeah, it's, uh, it's very know. short. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It, yeah, and it, also you know, like, it's 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 the perfect ending to the film. Yeah, like it's the it is the perfect way to finish it. Like and again, like if you took out that that five minutes and you go from Wilson, you cut from Wilson Phillips, like it's their wedding video almost. Like it'd be nice if it like faded like. The camera pans back as if someone's filming, like a videographer filming the wedding, mm-hmm. and then it cuts into because isn't it? She's marrying Megan's Melissa McCarthy's brother. Yeah. So you can almost imagine her having like the videotape of the wedding, and then it accidentally cutting to her sex tape with Air Marshal John. Oh. Also, another reason I think it's the perfect ending is because when I was in the cinema, it was like an unexpected treat because I, was, yeah. I remember like mm. starting to get up and I wasn't used to those kind of scenes and I was like, what? There's more? And it's like, and it was amazing. It was like so an extra good. And it's nice that you don't have to wait for it. It's not yeah. like an end credit scene that you have to be like, oh, you have to sit through all of the grips and all of the, the best boys and all of the mm. catering people and then you'll see the scene with Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Like it's just, just happened straight away. <laughs> you know. No, um, no offense to all those people who I'm sure deserve the credit for the work they do. No, yeah, not shitting, Not shitting on the crew. But, you know. So uh, the the scene, unsurprisingly, was fully improved. Uh, and uh, I have a TV interview from, uh, I want to say more than six years ago now, with Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone just walking through that scene. And it 
tell the actual background story. That was not supposed to be in the movie. No, no, we did we did it on like a lunch break. She <laughs> Judd said, Judd Apatow said, like, oh, let's do something that'll be fun and put it on and put it on the internet, maybe. And then we shot it, and then he called and was like, oh. <laughs> it's at the end of the movie. We were like, what? We're out of time. Thank you very much. That's for amazing. That's so so was it like in, in their trailer or something? Like, what was the, was it their actual bedroom then? Or was it like... Shot it during lunch break. Yeah, so it's in, bit, in their yeah, trailer. Probably, yeah, it must yeah. be in like their trailer or something, yeah. Yeah, probably. Because if you, I think if you watch it back, it does kind of look like it's in like a caravan or something. Do you reckon that's just off their phone then? Someone they just put their phone on a shelf and then just self shut it. I think she recorded it. Like it looks like it's self recorded by Megan. Proper yeah. in a way. But they were together <laughs> at the time, I think. So it was more like I was going to say, yeah, are, were they married at the, to- yeah, at the time? Yeah, at least they were yeah. together. So okay. it was more like it wasn't as weird. That's an interesting weird. way. Like when people talk, like, oh yeah, I met my husband making this film. You're like, oh, who's your husband? I'm Air Marshal John. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> AMJ. Yeah, literally, like my first sexual experience with the man who would be my husband was the time I ate a sandwich off him on camera. (laughs) 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 Ate a a floppy sandwich off him, yeah. Because the the original question to the. uh, to the interview was whether their children have seen this the okay. scene and God. Melissa was like absolutely not or not over my dead body that'd be like again another good recording story of me as a child was like I wonder if it's they've done what my family used to do with um, with my old v- VHS copy of Goldeneye or all the yeah. raunchy bits had been had been recorded out had been like stopped and recorded out of it I wonder like does their copy of Bridemaids just stop yeah <laughs> just go straight to the credits there's none of that you know probably have the clean copies yeah somewhere well we definitely solved the ending right I think so well, I think we've given them a better ending. We've, you know, we've given them some edits to make. Maybe we need, we need a not an extended cut, like a re-edited ending for a exactly for us, to, us to watch. So yeah, I mean, as always, if you love what you heard, share this episode on your stories or with a group chat. We will be back in a couple of weeks with our award season episode and a final scene for the ages, the one and only that departed. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.